can you reinsert Alshon Jeffrey or George Kittle back into your lineups in their first games back? What Patriots pass catchers might be sneaky Week 12 starts? And does Cleveland feature two must-start running backs in the first week of the FPC and main event playoffs? Plus, the 2019 FFPC main event regular season runner-up Eric Wall joins us to talk about Bo Scarborough, why he's loaded up on tight ends on his roster, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Dave Gerzak is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Hands, everybody. If you got what it takes, it's I'm KRS, and I'm on the mic, and premieres on the break. Broadcast live and heard around the world. You are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. With Thanks so much, Rob. Greetings and salutations to all of the Balkaholics and Gerzak and addicts tuning in this evening or whenever you're streaming this later. Welcome to the latest episode of the HSFF Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Falkman. My co-host is the patron saint of fantasy football, Dave the Dizzle Gerzak, coming up on tonight's show. We're going to give you the latest on the injury statuses for both Brandon Cooks and Mohamed Sanu+. Plus. The 2019 FFPC main event regular season runner-up Eric Wall is going to join us to talk about why starting Tyler Lockett this week might be problematic for him. His thoughts on uh, Jacob Hollister versus Noah Fant in Week 12 and much more. Uh, Shout-out to everybody in the chat room right now. You can post questions you might have in there at HSFFR, at Eric Balkman, at David Gerzak is where to reach us on Twitter, Facebook.com slash HSFFR, 347-426-3682. If you want to give us a call at 347-GAME-OVA. If you have any questions for us, now is the time to send them in to highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Our producer and mutual friend Rob, our audio engineer, and my best friend Bryce are going to do their best to get to all the questions, tweets, and emails in the fantasy feedback segment coming up later on in the last segment of the show. Dave, exciting stuff around the FFPC today. Big announcement came out if uh, anybody saw the e-newsletter that went out to everybody. Uh, A couple of big announcements in there because not only is there – a big change to the main world-famous FFPC playoff challenge this year. There's another playoff challenge that is uh, going to be offered through us as well. What can you tell us about those? That's really exciting. We've partnered with Football Guys again. Uh, we are offering a $35 entry uh, playoff challenge. It's the same exact format as you're used to. $100,000 grand prize, 10,000 team maximum, so it's a, you know, it's a pretty massive contest. And then for the main playoff challenge, it's uh, still $200 to enter with a half a million dollar grand prize. I mean, that's pretty much record shattering. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen anything even remotely close to it. Uh, so uh, 6,500 team cap there, uh, 150 teams are the most any person can buy uh, in either of the two contests. And uh, it's really exciting. I mean, we're pretty stoked for it. People are already entering. Uh, you don't really get to put your lineups in until the, you know, the playoff teams are determined. Right. But it should be, really a, it should be really fun playoffs this year. So as everyone makes their way through their league playoffs, uh, you know, keep the playoff challenges in mind. Rules and scoring format is the same as last year, correct? Uh, yep, identical. Identical there. And uh, remember that uh, it's a $300,000 prize pool in the $35 entry. It's a $1.12 million prize pool in the, uh, the world-famous FFPC playoff challenge. Uh, and and um, double points in the Super Bowl is something that's, that's fairly unique, too. We're going to have that featured again next year. You can sign up for those right now at myffpc.com. Uh, so definitely give that uh, a look-see. And also give a, uh, I guess, a, a hear-hear, would it be, because it's an audio podcast. But the road of his high-stakes lowdown was brand new again this week with Tom Greenwald, the guy who has been on these airways before, the guy who's been very, very successful in the regular season, uh, former Football Guys Players Championship regular season points champ. He took third place in the FFPC main event regular season points uh, race this year. Uh, on that program, we talked a lot about um, you know prepping your teams for the playoffs, what you need to do 
uh, for the playoffs, and then sort of uh, some league winners. We get into that discussion, too. Might get into some league winner discussion on tonight's program. Rotoviz.com slash podcast. Check it out. It's on Apple Podcasts as well as the Blue Wire Podcast Network. All right, let's get into it tonight, Dave. Uh, we're going to skip uh, the first thing, which I think, yeah, we talked about previously on the show, so we don't need to talk about that because it's not news. Let's talk about the Eagles. Doug Peterson said that Alshon Jeffrey, quote, is trending in the right direction for the game against the Seahawks. This according to Dave Zingaro on Twitter. Nelson Aguilar, who is battling a knee issue, is in the same boat as uh, Aguilar was supposed to uh, practice again today. Jeffrey, if you remember, sat out last week. Dave, the Seattle secondary is the Legion of Boom. It is not. And it's been pretty rough this year. Only three teams have allowed more passing yards per game this season than Seattle uh, Seattle secondary. So you look at Alshon Jeffrey. This is a juicy matchup for him. Would you trust putting him back in your lineup right away, or are you looking for other options here? Well, if he's active, I, I wouldn't mind putting him in there. He's uh, he's probably like a wide receiver three-ish range. I would say. Top 35 guy this week? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, an ankle injury, it's not the same as – I'd rather have an ankle – a guy coming back from an ankle injury than like someone coming back from a hamstring. You know, yeah, that's t- I'm totally with you on that. Soft tissue injuries. Not, you know, the ankle, you just tape it up and, and come on, let's go. You should be fine. Right, yeah. So if he's feeling good in warm-ups and he's got it all taped up, I don't see him re-aggravating it, and I think he could actually have a decent game. Sometimes I think with those bigger receivers, when it's an ankle or a knee or something like that, that could be kind of bulky. I'm not really concerned with it because they t- tend to win at the point of the catch. Yeah, uh, they, they can use TV. their body yeah. more, a little bit more. Yeah, yeah especially, yeah. Uh, I think I have him in one league, and he's on my bench right now. I might have to switch that out before Sunday morning. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport has reported that it's not looking good for Juju Smith-Schuster to play this week against Cincinnati, and it's really bad for Pittsburgh because James Conner is already been ruled out you're looking at James Washington and Deontay Johnson as the starting receivers catching balls from Mason Rudolph uh you look at the Steelers running back situation obviously Jalen Samuels is the play here do you have any interest in Benny Snell as a flex do you have any interest in James Washington or Deontay Johnson as a flex normally I wouldn't ask this but you're talking about going up against an 0-10 team this week uh, you know if I was desperate I would look at those guys and you know there's week 12 there's uh, quality teams on by so you might have to look at uh, James Washington or Deontay Johnson. I would not be interested in Benny Snell. I think Jalen Samuels gets gets to rock and does really well. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it, it's funny because I was listening to um, – I can't remember what podcast I was listening to, but the Pittsburgh coaching staff seems to really like – and the front office seems to really like Benny Snell as much as they like Jalen Samuels. It, I, I'm, I'm, they must be seeing something different in practice because Jalen Samuels totally looks like the more electric player, the more dynamic player when they get out on the field together. Yeah, and for PPR leagues, I mean, for our purposes, he's a great pass catcher too, so I really like Jalen Samuel. Uh, let's move on and talk about uh, Mohamed Sanu, uh, because this is a guy I was really excited about coming into this week. And All right, so this is, the, this is how the, the narrative sort of took off this week. Tom E. Kieran, who is uh, a reporter for NBC Sports Boston, said that Sanu not only is probably going to be out this week, he's going to be out several weeks. Uh, you look at what he did against Philadelphia last week. Again, a pretty good matchup and he could not get much done. He didn't practice the last two days. He was going to try to plan to practice. I believe he did practice today, if I'm remembering uh, correctly. But, Dave, this is weird because Tom Brady said, you know, the offense needs to step up. We need to be making more plays out there. The disparity between um, uh, point, points, points allowed and points given up or something like that for New England, it was insane, like how, how good their defense has been. Right. Um, and, and their offense just simply is not putting up points on the board. This could be a get-right game against Dallas this week. But now you might not – not only might you not have Mohamed Sanu, you might not have Philip Dorsett. And all of a sudden you're looking at Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers out there running with Julian Edelman. How do you sort of handicap this for fantasy? Is Edelman the only guy you're looking at playing, even if Sanu is active? Well, it doesn't sound like Sanu is going to be active. I would have no interest in playing Sanu. I don't, I don't, I don't think I could start Jacoby Myers or any of those guys. Maybe just Edelman. I think James White might get a few more looks, and they're going to yeah. rely on the running game more. Um, I uh, and and obviously no love for any of the tight ends there. Correct. No, I mean in fact, you know, New England was even talking about bringing back Antonio Brown a little bit. So I mean, that just shows you how dire and desperate it is <laughs> yeah. right now. Did I tell you my – well, I, I don't I, – this wasn't my conspiracy theory, but the conspiracy – okay, so I'll bring this up. I brought this up on the show with Leo and Balky, which you can listen to a weekday afternoons here in northeast Wisconsin. You know – you've seen Antonio Brown tweet before, right? Mm-hmm. 
little unhinged, little off the rails, yeah. very, very folksy, very conversational tweets. Yeah, he's a grandmaster level whack job. Did you see his tweet that uh, of the apology to Mr. Kraft? Yeah, I saw it. I kind of skimmed it, but yeah. Okay. Did that strike you as something that Antonio Brown typed out himself or I, I, copy and pasted? Yeah, it's not, I I didn't, again, I don't remember, recall all the words exactly, but I could see where he's getting, getting. Very apologetic and yeah. did not sound like his voice at all. Yeah, maybe he finally gave his Twitter login to his agent, like he probably should have. Or, And his Dave, agent should change the password. Do you know who one of the first people was to like that tweet? Uh, no. It was Mr. Tom Brady. Nice. Do you think that Tom Brady told Antonio Brown, tweet out an apology, this is going to make the optics look a lot better for, so we can re-sign you? And obviously that doesn't seem to be the case, but that's my conspiracy theory that I saw on the internet. Well, and I don't think it's far yeah, off. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, hey, I, there's stranger stuff going on in Washington right now. So who knows? Right. Um, New England is a six-point favorite at home against Dallas this week. I'm with you. I think it's Edelman. I think it's White. I think I am playing Michelle in one league, too, as a flex. I don't feel great about it. But beggars can't be choosers, as they yeah, say. That's so true. Uh, all right, uh, George Kittle, let's talk about him. He's missed the last couple of weeks. It, it might come to an end this week. He's expecting to play in the big Sunday night tilt uh, against Green Bay at the, uh, at, in Santa Clara. This is according to ESPN.com. Kittle uh, practiced yesterday. He said it went really well. Definitely a good step in the right direction, and the goal is definitely still Green Bay. Dave, now George Kittle, you think about what he's accomplished this year. You think about the other options at tight end. I think this is a guy – and my buddy Kurt would agree, you got to get him in there right away if he is active. Yeah, I, I think you even, unless the news is extremely negative Sunday morning, I think you'd even take the chance on Kittle missing. If you don't even have a clear directive, it sounds to me like, okay, why, how could Kittle, first of all, he practiced Friday, so that's good news. And how could you not possibly, as George Kittle, not come and play in this huge Sunday night right. game? You got to be out there. The stars come out on the night, those primetime games. Bear this in mind, too. Emmanuel Sanders, we don't know if he was going to go. Debo Samuel was actually in the non-contact jersey this week in practice for the Niners, too. Both of those receivers are officially listed as questionable. Apparently, Dante Pettis not taking his job seriously enough, and he's been banished to the bench there. There's not a whole lot. And there's not a whole lot else. You know, I mean, Kittle, you're right. He has to be out there. Packers, um, for the first month, maybe month and a half, just over the first month of the season, maybe the first five weeks, they did a really good job defending the tight end. Then that Philadelphia game came with Zach Ertz and, and uh, Dallas Goddard, and uh, they couldn't find them at all in the secondary. And they got torched by the tight end, and they've been getting torched by the tight end a lot this season. So I think Kittle is a must-play. I don't, you know... I like Green Bay. I get, uh, plus, plus the points a little bit this week. Uh, I, I, there are so many injuries on the Niners. I just I feel like they're going to have a problem. I totally agree. Now, I'm a rational guy, okay? And, I, and I am a big Packers fan. I think they're going to pull the upset. So I, I would actually money line this if I if I yeah I don't even live. see it as a big upset but I you know I know what you're saying um yeah they are banged up right now the Niners are yeah. really really banged up Breida's I think what that Breida's doubtful he's not going to play Joe Staley just yeah. had finger surgery he's and you look at what the, I mean not, I don't want to get get into the whole non fantasy aspect of this but the Niners the last three weeks uh, with Jadavian Clowney going up against them and Chandler Jones uh, a couple of times. Uh, those tackles have been drowning in, in pass rush. I mean, they just cannot protect Garoppolo. It's forced them into some bad decisions. So um, I actually well, – Garoppolo's put up fantasy points at least. So I'll give you know, I, I, I was talking to um, – okay, again, this, I don't want to devolve this conversation. Mark Willard, who works at KNBR in San Francisco in the Bay Area, he covers the 49ers out there. And I was talking to him, you know, like Garoppolo's putting up some pretty good numbers, um, but these interceptions, and he's, all, he's throwing almost interceptions too. Now, for fantasy, we don't necessarily care about it as long as you're going to throw for 440 yards and four touchdowns. We're going to look the other way on these interceptions. And, you know, he brought up with me, he's like, you know who used to do that all the time, put up insane fantasy numbers? Brett Favre, back for the Packers, where he'd make those two questionable decisions a game. Normally he got caught with it, but he makes some other insane plays to make up for it. Now, Garoppolo's not doing that, but he is doing enough for your fantasy rosters. And I actually like Garoppolo as a start this week too. Boy, that's a lot of words, boss. Sorry, I've, I've been talking about Packers. Talking fast tonight. We've like been it. talking about Packers Niners all week, so I'm, I'm sort of dialed into that right now. Hey, we got Eric Wall, the runner-up in the FFPC main event uh, coming in the regular season, uh, coming up here in just a minute. One other thing I wanted to get to is talk uh, a little bit about the Rams wide receivers. Brandon Cooks, uh, no longer in the league's concussion protocol. He was actually practicing this week while still in the protocol. I didn't know you could do that, but apparently you could. Uh, now, this is his fifth concussion of his career. It's the second one he's had this season. Uh, but apparently he's going to be playing this week, and it sounds like Robert Woods has passed his personal issue, whatever that was. So you're looking at a full-fledged 
uh, stable of receivers catching passes from Jared Goff on Monday night. What a Monday night treat that's going to be with the, the Baltimore Lamar Jacksons taking on the Rams, and, and right. it looks like the Rams are going to be at full strength. Would you play all three of these receivers? Would you feel good about that, starting them all as, say, like a top 30 option? Cooper Cup for sure, obviously. I guess I'm more uh, alluding to Cooks and Woods. I'd prefer to play somebody else, I think, over Cooks and Woods if I, if I could. Cup's locked in, though. Yeah, I would play Cup, and I think that actually those guys coming back is really good news for Cup. But you know, distracts the coverage. Even though he's a slot guy, he had a zero the other week. Could you yeah, believe that? Yeah, it's just insane. I was, I, I was witness this. <laughs> oh, and, and had him on a couple. Yeah, times. that's that sucks. Man. Yeah, that's I'm right. sorry. It's just dynasty teams, but still. <laughs> I don't really care about the dynasty. Well, I'm just saying, you know, much. I can afford it a little bit in dynasty. Whereas if it was Kentucky or whatever, I'd be really pissed. Because, you know, it's just more limited. Yeah. You know, no, I get it. So. I get it. No, for sure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's bring in our guest tonight here on the HSFF Hour. Not only is he a best-selling author, internationally renowned graffiti artist, and motivational speaker, he also put his stamp on the 2019 FFPC main event by placing second in the contest regular season. You can check him out at his uh, website at theartofvision.com. Follow him on Twitter at Eric Wall. Please welcome into the HSFF Hour, Mr. Eric Wall. Thanks for hopping aboard the show tonight, man. Appreciate it. What's up, boys? Thanks for the invitation. Honored to be here. Fun to uh, fun to talk well, shop, talk a little football. Yeah, it's uh, very exciting stuff. Now, before we get into uh, your dominant team so far this season and, and really fantasy football in general, you have an interesting backstory, and I just want to sort of give you the floor to tell all our listeners uh, sort of um, how you came to be at the position you are in your life today. <laughs> that that's a long story. I don't want to bore your listeners. I uh, I have an unusual <laughs> job. I get to, <laughs> I, you know, all, all of your all, everyone who does fantasy are are poets and writers and artists, right? That's who I'm talking to, isn't it? Um, no, I've, I've right. got a, um, a a unique job. Uh, it doesn't really have anything to do with fantasy whatsoever. However, I am a writer. I do a lot of research and development, and part of what I do is take big risks, whether it's the WSOP or the big level of fantasy football and see if I can hack it within a couple of years and try and figure out how to play at the highest level um, in the shortest amount of time. So for me, this has been a, been a three-year journey with my son. He and I have been uh, doing this now with the MyFFPC main event, and this year we're doing a little better than previous years, so we're having a really good time. That's awesome. So your book, your book material is kind of writing itself here. If you if you take the whole thing down, right? That 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 really would help. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's been a fun journey. It, it doesn't always go well. I've I've had uh, Cooper Cup and the uh, Cloak of Invisibility the last two weeks, so we never know when things are going to change remarkably on it. But um, it's been it's been a fun ride up to now. It's kind of this this balance of sabermetrics and analytics with emotional intelligence and how do we kind of read gut versus logic and, and balance for the best team. So I'm really exploring a lot of different uh, angles in how this is put together and having uh, just a lot of fun learning, learning about the, the, how we could, the, the details, the analytics behind what it takes to be a successful team. And then the velocity of decision-making, especially at the live draft that's uh, in, in Vegas, that's insane. That's a lot of fun to do. Yeah, I love the Vegas experience. Yep, it's absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about your team. I, I found your draft strategy to really be fascinating, but actually it's quite logical. You um, you took a pair of running backs. You took Nick Chubb and Dalvin Cook, uh, great picks both. Uh, but then you uh, avoided running back for the next, uh, what do you, well, round 12 was the next time you took a running back. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that, about that strategy. Yeah, that was very fluid. I went in this year. I've always been big on – uh, running backs being the stable uh, this year was going in with the zero RB uh, philosophy and really dialed in and how I wanted to attack that. And when it got to me at slot nine, um, it just made sense. That Chubb was the guy who I wanted for his ballistic upside. So I ended up going running back, running back, and then realized it the exact opposite of what my game plan was. And then so punted on all RBs and just stacked wide receivers from that point on. And my intent with uh, Hunt in the 12th was just a handcuff to Chubb. So it was really kind of lock down those two running backs and then fill with wide receivers and tight ends uh, from there on out and, ha- and then stack. So I wanted my quarterback. In this case, I always wanted our Jackson. So I wanted to have uh, a running uh, quarterback, either Watson or uh, Jackson. I was, as a backup, maybe go Kyler Murray. But um, I got my first choice with um, – Jackson late, and of course paired him with Waller. You know, it's been pretty successful all year long. 
Talking with Eric Wall, the uh, second-place team in the FFPC main event headed into the championship round here coming up in a couple of weeks. Eric, the, uh, the roster that you have here uh, for your runner-up in the regular season, it has uh, five tight ends, or excuse me, it had five tight ends, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, Jason Witten, Tyler Eifert, and Dallas Goddard. Then you went out and added a sixth one in Ross Dwelly this week. Why did you decide to stockpile this uh, particular position for the stretch run? It was defensive. The guy I was playing against was um, he needed points, and so I had to kind of choose who to take from him. Was I going to take Scarborough or Williams or the tight end for Dwelly, the the stand-in one-week tight end slot for um, San Fran in case Kittle was out? And I thought that was probably the biggest upside that I wanted to take away from him. I'd I'd give him three yards in a cloud of dust with the other guys. I think he picked up Scarborough. Um, I'm not sure. No, I got Scarborough. He took Williams maybe. Um, but it was all defensive. I didn't need any of those players. I was just blocking, uh, blocking opponents and grabbing them. Oh, that's I, very mean of you. I would say, well, it's very smart. It's very smart. <laughs> it's strategic. And the, the, unique thing, the, 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 the cool thing about FPC is, and I think better than any other format, is the, the tight end advantage, the 1.5 PPR, because that makes this potentially the most valuable game-winning, game-changing position in the game. Uh, so I wouldn't mind having a, a situation where I'm actually going four tight ends. There are three tight ends with the two flexes there and rotate those based on the best matchups. Um, I happen to have some strong receivers that will probably take over that slot, but uh, I'm good with my running backs as long as I can keep them healthy. But that's been a big thing. I've just dodged injury. Um, that's so huge is how can you get through and patchwork without getting bitten by uh, the injury bug. And this team has, has dodged injury this far, so it's been profitable. Oh, and not only that, too, Eric, but you look at your team, not only is it dodged injury, look at the value you got in the later rounds at the tight end position. Darren Waller has been a beast, at least in the first half of the season. He was one of the best tight ends out there. He slacked off a little bit, still putting up numbers. And then Mark Andrews, a guy, again, who crushed it the first part of the season, still doing very well. When you can wait on that position, especially in this tight end premium format, and you get it right, and those guys don't get hurt, it's such a massive advantage, which I think you've been enjoying here these, these last few weeks for sure. It doesn't suck. Yeah, no, I love being able to play uh, big tight ends. Those are guys that I wanted. I, I do a couple of um, – what I did this year is I did three kind of mock drafts with the smaller FFPC, just kind of pace myself, get myself in position. And then my son and I drafted a team together um, and then with this one. So I had a couple of mock drafts coming in. So I realized particularly guys that I really, really wanted, like Waller and Andrews, we're going way higher than I originally thought. And so tight ends went fast. And so I had to sprint on them early. And I just knew from previous drafts earlier in the uh, weeks and months leading up to that uh, the guys that I wanted were going earlier than usual. So I had to jump on them early. And they, they ended up all working out with the exception of Trey Burton, who uh, I actually thought was going to be the, the big ticket item. He's been such a dud. I couldn't believe it. I really thought he was going to be a better tight end this year. Yeah, Trey Burton's been disappointing. And now he's on IR. Ever yeah. since he came over. Oh, that's all right. Yeah, you can't get him all right. Though. No, you that's cannot. Right. You cannot. So let's talk wide receiver a little yeah. bit. You have Tyler Lockett, um, who is currently actually, I just looked on footballguys.com. They have him ranked 13th this week on uh, PPR. He's on your bench right now, despite facing one of the worst secondaries in the NFL in Philly, probably partially due to your great tight ends. Uh, do you think you'll be able to find a spot in your starting lineup for Lockett, or is he going to have to kind of ride the pines still a little bit coming off that injury? Yeah, for me, it's between him and uh, Lockett and Cup. Nice, uh, nice choice to have. Um, I'm, I'm just miffed by Cup's zeros that have been thrown up. I think I, this will be a new week because they have the full stable. I'll probably, I'll, I'll probably find a spot for both. I love Lockett. I love the way that um, Russell forces, force feeds him the ball, and he seems to have a catch radius that pulls everything down, even despite his small size. But I, I love the dude. Um, I'd love to play. Lockett, I just, I really have an embarrassment of riches. I love the choices that I have to choose from, and I'm, I'm fortunate to be there. But I would say Lockett will, will end up in the starting lineup. I just have to pick who, who am I going to not start that week, this, this week. Yeah, it's, and that's, and that's it's, it's frustrating, too. And we always talk about, you know, having options, and it's good when injuries set in, especially when we come up towards the end of the season. But oftentimes, Dave, I think you brought this up, so tough to get that optimal lineup out there every week when you have this talented of a squad. It is tough when you have that talented of a squad. You know, fortunately, my teams this year have not been any good. So <laughs> right. I, I, now it's just like desperation time. So, 
<laughs> but you know, it, it's funny, you know, Eric, and you're very modest about it. But I mean, if your team is totally stacked, it's you know, you just have to kind of you set your lineup the best you can. You make your decision, and kind of like playing for playing poker, um, you know, sometimes the, the cards go your way, sometimes they don't. It, it is. It, it's you cross your fingers and hope, and you you look at those defenses, you look at the DBs matchups, and um, I, I actually anytime I can avoid Jalen Ramsey, I will, <laughs> um, and that's just a, a gut. Feel, even if it's, uh, you know, Amari Cooper, like this upcoming week and other teams, I'll probably be sitting him. Uh, there's just certain things that I have a gut feel about that I like to dodge. And, um, yeah, gut and logic kind of mixed together. But I think there's a lot of luck in there also. Yeah, certainly uh, that's going to play a part in it. But, um, listen, uh, as long as you can prepare yourself and, 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 and put yourself in the best position to win, that's all you can ask for. The ball's going to bounce where it's going to bounce. Eric Wall joining the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour tonight. He is the runner-up in the 2019 FFPC main event regular season points competition. Uh, let's talk about um, – we, we kind of touched on this uh, earlier with uh, the Patriots receivers, uh, Eric. Tom Brady was complaining about the offense uh, needing to be better earlier this week. Mohamed Sanu, it, it doesn't look like he's going to play. Philip Dorsett's actually, it's looking a little bit better for him right now, uh, for him to be out there against the Cowboys this week. You look at the, the rest of the Patriots receivers other than Julian Edelman, there's Nikhil Harry, there's Jacoby Myers. Are any of these guys sneaky starts for Week 12, or you, you should, should fantasy overs not o- overthink it? Start Edelman, sit the rest of the guys. How do you look at this? Start Edelman, sit the rest. I, you know, I've got Brady as a backup, but I've got, he's just purely that. Uh, he's the GOAT in real real life, but for me, he's never going to see the field as long as I have Lamar Jackson. So if he goes down with an ankle injury, maybe uh, Brady will see the field and try and pitch to some of those uh, second-tier receivers. Um, but, no, I, I don't have a lot of interest in, in any of New England outside of, outside of Edelman. I've got, got a question from the chat. Like, oh, right on, yeah. Go, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I've left Rex Burkhand on my lineup and held on to him, even though he's done nothing. I'm just waiting for Sony Michelle to fumble and be in Belichick's doghouse again, because I think Burkhead will then get a, a few more runs. But I'm going to have to dr- probably drop him soon if, uh, if I can't get Sony in the, in the doghouse. Uh, Eric, we got so a go question ahead, yeah. in the chat room. Wasp guy, our, our resident uh, Ivy League professor here, uh, he wants to know if David uh-huh. Montgomery is going to pay off in the football guys' playoffs. And David Montgomery is an interesting guy because he really rose up draft boards those last two, three weeks of, of the drafting season headed into early September. And he hasn't he, – he, he's, he's been kind of hit or miss and mostly miss in that offense. Uh, and this is after they cut Mike Davis too, so it's really him and Tariq Cohen back there. Is he the type of guy that is going to? Could you see him turning it on these last few weeks, or are we going to see more of what we've seen from Montgomery throughout the rest of the season uh, of him just underperforming and not getting it done for fantasy owners? Yeah, for me, that's uh, coach's decision. I feel like he's got all the talent in the world. They don't have the game plan nor the quarterback to kind of create what, what they need. I've, I've been disappointed with, with him because I think he's an explosive athlete, but I think Tariq Cohen's probably the money guy because I like the PPR and the potential uh, just solid points there. If it was a dynasty league, yeah, I think he's going to be great in the long haul, but he needs a better uh, offensive line and a better quarterback to develop any sort of RPO to make his running effective. Offensive line is really bad in Chicago, Dave. That's something I, I should have brought up. It's, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> that, yeah. Well, that's why, I mean, like, with Cohen, when I drafted him late this year, I didn't necessarily care about the offensive line as much because, you know, he's always he's like a space back, so he doesn't necessarily need those holes to be blown open. Montgomery kind of does at this point in his career, and if you drafted him, you've probably been pretty upset. Maybe I should throw out some dynasty offers for him in some of my leagues, see if I can get him on the cheap. Go for it. Think it'll work or no? Yeah, it might. What would you, <laughs> honestly, would you... Yeah, exactly. Would you give up a, a first-rounder for David Montgomery right now? Would I? Yeah. Um, I would personally not. It, that's, it, it's kind of borderline some right now. Some people would. Some, some Eric, people probably would. If I'm swinging for the fences in Dynasty, sure. Uh, depends on what my first round they're, they're looking for, but I, I like the upside of him. Uh, I just don't know what the future is in Chicago. I'd like to see a different quarterback, and I'd like to see more – progressive in a positive direction but I, I like him as an athlete he's the type of person I like to bet big on I like the I like the explosiveness of the Chubbs and the Cooks and the Montgomery's of the world but they need they need help to truly open up those holes I think that's uh yeah that, that's just bottom line for those guys all right let's stay in the same division same position and we're going to go from the top of the draft all the way to the bottom because both Scarborough was drafted in the seventh round then he's been kind of you know going on practice squads and banding about he's bounced around 
Yeah, so now he's on Detroit. He's starting, former Alabama running back. Um, he had, uh, what do you have, 14 carries for 55 yards, 3.9 yards per carry, one touchdown, no targets, no receptions. <laughs> and uh, I don't think he was ever a pass-catching back really at Alabama. So uh, what do you think about Scarborough? Do you think he could be, let's say, a top, I'm going to say top 30 running back the rest of the way uh, with mostly rushing yards and TDs? I'd say no, not without Stafford. I, I think he's going to be okay. They don't have anyone else there, so they have to give it to somebody. So he's a nice patch plug-and-play for, for here on out because he's the only guy. But I'm not, I'm not big on him. He seems like more uh, three yards in a cloud of dust. Uh, I, it would be nice if he had carry on Johnson upside to explode through the, for some long runs, big games. But I don't see it happening for Detroit. I'd love for him to prove me wrong because I think I've picked him up in a few different leagues. Eric, what, 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 you know, somebody might be facing this uh, decision. You know, maybe it, they got Kelsey on by or Hunter Henry on by. They got to, you know, go with somebody else at tight end. Um, who would you rather start if, if you had to make this choice in, in the main event league playoffs? If your only two other t- uh, choices at tight end were Jacob Hollister, who this week goes on the road to face that Philadelphia uh, secondary, and then Noah Fant. Uh, would be the other option here. Fant is uh, going to be uh, just had he's at Buffalo this week. So if you had to play one of those two guys at tight end this week, which one would it be? Hollister, uh, no question. No offense, the better athlete, but again, you got that force feeding situation with Russell Wilson, who loves the tight end game since Will Disley went down. He's been looking for somebody. Hollister seems to be sort of fitting that mold, fitting that role. I like the upside for Hollister from from here on out. I think. Again, for uh, Dynasty, Noah Fant's great, great athlete. I think his upside as a huge tight end will be big, but uh, not with the current offensive situation. I'd rather go with money in the bank with Hollister and Russell Wilson. Hollister's going to be an interesting guy in 2020 drafts next year, Dave, if, if, you, if, if Seattle doesn't really address the tight end position. He's already showing his chemistry with Russell Wilson. Well, he could, they have Disley coming off IR. Well, but, uh, yeah, but this is a guy, Disley, he always seems to get hurt, too. This is, I mean, going back to his college days, this is just one of those things. I guess maybe you won't draft him as a starter, obviously, but in like a DE as your uh, you know, third tight end or something like that, he could be interesting yeah, in depends, 2020. Yeah, it depends on what they're yeah. saying about the two guys. Right, exactly. Um, let's talk about uh, – by the way, we're talking, about, uh, we're talking with Eric Waldy, runner-up in the FFPC main event regular season tonight. Uh, not, we we want to talk fantasy here, uh, but I think it can apply to other things in, in life too. Yeah, so I, I think we're going to get a little uh, philosophical. Yeah, sure. Let's get philosophical. <laughs> Uh, given given your you know your line of work your you know writing and everything that you know the events that have created your what you're doing, what have you learned in your life that has helped you be a better fantasy football player and how could some of us as players kind of learn from that? Well, a couple of things. Number one, fantasy football is like a secret language. It's a secret code that wherever I'm performing all around the country, I know a lot about wherever I'm traveling, wherever I'm speaking in front of. I know about their team. I know who they're playing. I can speak their language at a very high level, and that usually catches people off guard that I'm able to know that intricately about their sport, their team, their guys. So it's like a secret language that that we have that is very useful for building relationship and connection. It's also (laughs) – and I've got a son at Berkeley. He's a senior at Berkeley, and he and I have been doing this together since he was little, and this is kind of our thing. So a lot of father-sons – will fish or they'll camp. Uh, you know, we do fantasy football and we stay in touch uh, routinely throughout the week as we're talking about free agency, as we're talking about potential. It's a lot of fun that has been father-son bonding at the highest level. So both uh, as in my business, my line of work and building authenticity and connection with audiences, it's a secret language. I don't do it overtly, but if you slide in little subtle tones here and there, it's, uh, it, it catches people off guard, and I, I, I love it as a communicator, as a, as a tool. Uh, then I just I, I love um, the analytics of it, that this cross between what I would call sabermetric and Billy Bean, and how he's you know brought this down to almost an automated, artificially intelligent uh, program for the human performance, but it doesn't account for heart or will or emotion. And that's where I think a lot of people get this wrong. After Billy Bean, you know, traded away all these mathematical guys um, and gave away or got the mathematical guys and gave away Yanni Sospedes, um, he gave away the heartbeat of the team and ended up losing because there's, a, there's that human will, that human heart. 
cannot be measured in analytics or on paper. It's only what is in the moment. And that's what I love about this is just that dynamic tension between kind of saber metrics and the analytics and logic of what should happen and then what really will happen because of human emotion, because of all the elements that take place on the football field that you can't capture on paper. I, I, I really like that element of uh, the, the tension between the both, uh, emotion and well, analytics. And Eric, you bring that up too, and I think this is interesting. Is that the biggest challenge that fantasy football players, whether you know just a casual player or a high stakes player, is that the biggest challenge you face? Sort of balancing analytics and then bringing in the the, the, hum, the human element into it, knowing that uh, th- these are not these are real people. They're not numbers. You know, they're 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 not statistics. You know, you you have to sort of meld those together. And I feel like sometimes, uh, and you can feel free to disagree with me. But I, I feel like the, the players that, that can successfully balance that out and, and, and understand the relationship between those two elements, those are usually, by and large, the more successful players year after year. There are. And there, there's players that have heart and play with reckless abandon, uh, a la Marshawn Lynch, who ran violently every single time he carried the ball. You just felt good about him being in the backfield, and then you guys have that are more passive. And though they might have good numbers, I, I just I like to go for the guys who are uh, with reckless abandon moving the ball north and south. Uh, Kalen Balage. <laughs> there you go. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Kalen Balage. Uh, Eric, we got a couple of emails yeah, no. here that I wanted to read from, from listeners uh, that, that had some questions for you. The first one's from Vic. He's in Houston. Greetings, Eric. A lot of us HSFF owners uh, consider fantasy football a science. Well, this is sort of kind of what I just asked you. Uh, consider fantasy football a science that you can excel at by knowing how to crunch the numbers. How is it an art form to you, and how do you use that approach to your advantage? Uh, that is Vic in Houston. Thank you for the email, Vic. Uh, well, and, and one way, and this wouldn't be directly, directly to what happens on the field, but in Houston, he's got uh, Mattress Mac. So we've got guerrilla marketing here. You've got a dude who um, is betting millions of dollars on the Astros, and they may or may not win. They didn't, but he's run all the affection of everyone, not only in Houston and their marketing business, but everyone around the world. So it's attention arbitrage is, is fantasy football ends up being – potentially one of those things that could be uh, a marketing tool for someone's business in some way, like Mattress King in, in Houston uh, showcase. So it's, it's got a lot of different facets that I think are cool elements that haven't been totally exposed yet. When I played in the WSOP, many of the, the players there were sponsored by companies. So they would get these math geniuses to sit at the table, you know, 21, 22, 23 years old, poker geniuses and all they did was wear the sponsorship of the companies that they were playing for representing in hopes that they were going to get to the final table so i just saw the marketing side of that as as very curious mattress king did it in houston uh i just like that idea as connecting uh various different guerrilla marketing tacks to see if there's more to fantasy football than just fantasy and making up stuff in our head is there ways to make this applicable is there things in in life in decision making in trusting our gut in um, not giving in to cognitive biases or false narratives because the media is saying one way or um, I, I just I like the human element of being able to create my own story within the larger media and sports personality narratives. Uh, a lot, a lot, lot to unpack here, and I, I wish we had more time uh, because I really like to explore this more. But I have to move on to the next email, Chris in Detroit. Uh, he writes, what's up, Eric? More traditional question here. First round of the playoffs, would you start Baker Mayfield against the Dolphins this week over Tom Brady against Dallas, or should I go with old reliable? Thanks for the email. That's Chris in Detroit. Now, Eric, you already said you got Brady. He's on your bench, locked on your bench because you got Lamar Jackson. But what if your other choice is Baker Mayfield? Which one would you be doing? Would you go with Tom Brady here against the Cowboys, or is Baker Mayfield's matchup too good to pass up? Yeah, I'm all over Baker Mayfield. Again, maybe people might not like his style. I like that for fantasy that he's a loudmouth, that he wants the ball, that he's going to make things happen. Miami's got a crappy defense. I think him pushing the ball, I, I like Baker Mayfield a lot this week. Plus, he can run. Um, I think I think that's a key. I mean, I, I could be wrong. Maybe Brady will throw for four touchdowns. He could. I, I don't see it. I see Brady being conservative. I see Dallas being tough. I see maybe – Maybe a touchdown or two from Brady, but possible upside, greater upside from uh, from Mayfield with running as well. And I like his heart. I like his it, heart. 
Dave, you, uh, if you, if those are your two choices, you'd be playing Mayfield over Brady this week. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I'd have to, um, just because the matchup is so nice. Yeah, a reluctant. Well, I mean, he is at home too, for what it's worth. I guess they're both at home, but still, Mayfield at home against the hapless Dolphins. I mean, come on. <laughs> you you, you got to go that way uh, when it comes down to it. Yeah, you know, Dallas's pass defense is pretty solid, too, actually. And they, they always have them. Yeah, it, their secondary this year has, has really uh, opened my eyes uh, quite a bit. Uh, Eric's been very gracious with his time, Dave, before we let him go. All right, uh, we could uh, need some help here. We were looking for a play that we always ask this stupid question because we love it's not it. a stupid question. We learn a lot from this question. It's awful. Uh, can you give us a player that a lot of FFPC players will be starting, but who you would consider benching in Week 12? as well as a sleeper that should really actually be started? Ooh, I think, well, I'd say um, Amari Cooper. Uh, I, I, I dislike his matchup. I would, I mean, if, if you've got options, I'd, I'd go a different way. Um, they seem to be going gallop and tight ends and spreading the ball around more there. So I would maybe consider benching, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Amari Cooper. Did I say Michael Irvin? <laughs> uh, Amari Cooper. No, you said and Cooper. I start? Yeah. And then um, I like Hollister. I, I do think that Russell is going to force feed that ball. So um, I, w- I would go with Hollister as my as – my, uh, is, is that considered a, a long shot? Is that considered uh, sneaky enough to, be, to, to fall into yeah, that category? Qualify. I think that – yeah, Absolutely. I think so. I think that's sneaky enough. And uh, I mean, how many people okay, – you well, think about these teams that, that, that are in the playoffs right now – I mean, how many of them are relying on Jacob Hollister? I mean, that, that you'd have to be super dominant at running back and receiver to not have a strong tight end at this point. So I think Hollister is a very interesting guy. And when you consider the matchup, it's, uh, it's the perfect combo. I, I think that makes a lot of sense to start Hollister this week. And I think a lot of people probably when it comes down to it, they'll realize the smart decision probably is starting him. Uh, smart decision. Was can, we, bring- can we give – does Eric have anything he wants to – Oh, yeah, Eric, website, it, it, is there anything can we, that – Can we buy anything from you? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> How can people enjoy more of, of, uh, of what you have to offer? Oh, man, I, I appreciate you guys asking. I've sort of been on sabbatical from promoting my business that uh, I've, I've loved growing for the last 15 years. I've kind of quietly – uh, just been writing and doing research and development. So I'm not in the promotion stage, but I'm, I'm loving the opportunity to chat with you guys, to chat football. I don't need any uh, direction to my website. I just love the opportunity to be a part of what you guys are doing. I think it's a lot of fun. And for us, it's been a big part of our family bonding. My wife actually uh, roots as hard for our team, our family, our tribe, and our fantasy as as anything else. So it's been family bonding to participate in this fantasy football journey together. So I don't know how many guys out there are battling with their spouses, their kids for time, man, make it a family event. Uh, pull everyone together and get everyone rooting on the same page. Cause it's a lot of fun. We're really enjoying it. You know, Eric, you know, it sounds like you really have a special relationship with your family. I, you know, I was having dinner with my wife tonight, and I was trying to tell her all about my dynasty teams and lineup decisions. <laughs> and she wasn't having anything of it. Yeah. I'm not sure I understand what, what, the, what the deal is. It's a, it's a slow milking process. My wife didn't understand any of it at first now, but she knows, uh, she knows a lot of it. Right. nuances she knows when she knows when uh you know hopkins mom gets a ball or not and if that's good so uh, we, we, we appeal to the emotional side of the game all right i'll keep working on her uh eric uh, before i let you go kern reeve uh as i mentioned him before he's a professor at uh cornell he says if you ever make it out to vegas for the live events uh at the ffpc he was out, he was out wasn't he, he? He, well oh do you, you were at vegas last year Eric? I, oh yeah, I, I've been, I've been, yeah, I've been the oh, last three years. Um, I, so I, have, I, I, I didn't have even realize. Team. Okay. I, I have another team that's uh, also moving on. That's uh, I think they finished 140th or something like that. But they're moving on. That's the one with my son. So we we did that draft live in Vegas, and I'd say that's the real thrill. That's uh, that's the most exciting part of the entire year. But um, if anyone hasn't done that, I realize it's not cheap, but it is, man, it's it's worth it for us. And like I said, family bonding for my son and I to be sitting shoulder to shoulder with 11 other guys uh, with the velocity of decision-making and uh, going on there. That was, uh, like I said, that's, that's father-son bonding at its finest. Well, well, Hudson, uh, Hudson Reeves says he would love to buy you a beer and have a uh, discussion with you out in Vegas. He said uh, he, he thinks you are very cool. He is checking the, 
uh, the like box <laughs> for you. A philosophical, yes, a philosophical discussion, discussion <laughs> with you out in Vegas. So, so there you go. Nice. Eric, listen, uh, it, it's, been a, think... it's been a treat having you on, on the show tonight. I really appreciate it. Uh, Dave really appreciates it. Our, our listeners really appreciate it. Uh, we'll follow you on Twitter, at Eric Wall. Check out everything that you have uh, coming down the pike there. Certainly appreciate you making some time tonight. And good luck the rest of the way, dude. I, I hope the ball bounces your way. Uh, this will make for a fascinating book someday if you're cashing a half-million-dollar grand prize in a month. Podcast will be part of it. Thanks for uh, thanks for encouraging me. Thanks for uh, letting me be a part of this. And just give you guys a high five as well. That you guys all the hard work and what you're doing to put this together. This is has made uh, the last several months and our family. Uh, it's given us a lot of good time. So thanks for what you guys have done as well. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much, dude. Appreciate thanks. that. Happy early Thanksgiving to you and yours. And we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good, guys. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Eric Wall. Follow him on Twitter at Eric Wall. The art of vision.com. A really great story uh, of him. And I know he didn't want to get into it tonight, but uh, if you go on his website, uh, there's a lot of good stuff there. Has his own Wikipedia page, Dave. I don't know if I told you that before, but uh, you can get some information on uh, on him there. Yeah, he so wrote, if you went into stalking, yes, you can do all he, those. Uh, he wrote a book uh, six years ago called Unthink that really crushed it on the uh, bestseller list. Oh, cool. uh, so awesome. that's probably the one that you want to check out first. He's written I several books. I can do something books, uh, on Kindle. I, I, there I you go. A book for my Kindle. There you go. Um, he, he brings up this whole family aspect of, of fantasy football. Sure. My wife could not care less about it. And I've tried to talk to her about it. I was, I was waking her up, you know, when Kurt was, was winning Kentucky a couple of years ago, yeah. she was in bed. I'm like, I'm like, crap, she just dropped another one. This, 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 Alshon Jeffrey can't catch her. Yeah. And I was, she's like, just, I don't care. Yeah. And, and I said, it was a big deal. Um, and my wife actually left tonight to, she, she gets on a flight tomorrow, 5:45 AM going out on a cruise. Uh, so the, this whole week, Dave, it's the, is this the summer of like the summer of, uh, it, it, it's the autumn of Jennifer <laughs> and I am watching the, the, the Thanksgiving of Balky, the Thanksgiving of Balky. And I, and you know, what's funny is, is I have a birthday coming up on Sunday and as she was leaving the house tonight, I said, honey, just think when you get back from your cruise, you'll be married to a 40 year old <laughs> and the, the life just sunk right out of her. Her shoulders <laughs> slumped and she's like, ah, oh, it's uh, like, the most depressing thing I could say to her uh, as she was as she was leaving the house that's, tonight. That's too funny. Uh, but I am looking forward to to spending the the week with just me and my kids. Yeah. And my son, I think, is really starting to get into uh, just sports and understanding competition, you know, a little bit. And let me tell you, he is quite the odds maker when it comes to point spreads. Oh, really? He's 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 on a hot streak. Sweet, he's killing it. Yeah, he is. He is. He's, he's tell doing him to start well. tweeting at Royal uh, Royal Star Bennett. Oh, I'm going to start posting it in our little group chat because he was he was dead on the. He said that uh, Wisconsin Badgers. I can't remember. They're playing some little sisters of the poor team, and uh, he's like, yeah, they're going to win by 18. They won by 20. Really? I mean, like it was it was pretty pretty crazy. And this is not the only one he's done. I got to ask him about his Packers 49ers pick this week. That'll be interesting. Yeah. All right, let's uh, get into uh, the emails here tonight. First one is from Bill in St. Clairsville, Ohio. I was hoping you could help me out with a tough football guys lineup decision I have this week. No Tyreek Hill for my playoff team, so I have to decide between Michael Gallup against the Pats or F1 McLaurin taking on the Lions at home. Thanks, guys. That is Bill in St. Clairsville, Ohio. Okay, no pressure, Dave, but this dude doesn't have Tyreek Hill, and he's trying to move on to the football guys playoffs. Let's try not to lead him astray. Uh, are you liking McLaurin better this week, or is the play Michael Gallup? I just think it's so tough to bench Gallup. He's been so hot lately, and McLaurin has been more up and down. I think I, I, I would just have – there would be so much regret by not starting Gallup if he had a big game. Um, Dallas's offense looks pretty good. Yeah, I mean, what's the – Washington's know, offense – threw for 444 yards last week. Right. Washington's offense is an undeniable train wreck. Yeah, who's the better quarterback throwing? Dak Prescott. Of course, by a ton. Um did you see the video clip of Dwayne Haskins talking to his offensive lineman? Oh, no. They were down quite a bit. Haskins had like four passing yards in a quarter and a half. His offensive linemen were all sitting in a circle after a series, and Haskins came over to him, and he was making this impassioned plea, and, and finally he just said, he's like, what do you want from me? Like, what, what can I do for you? Is basically what, and these guys are like openly kind of snickering. Yeah. You know, like, look, I'm like, this is... Like, I don't know, play, play good? Oh, so terrible. That just... So, yeah, not so I'll a, take the guy with you for 444 right. yards versus the four yards. Can, can I bring up one more aspect? And I think Eric actually alluded to this. 
Amari Cooper, probably going to get shadow cover from Stephon Gilmore, who's going to be a Pro Bowl cornerback this week. Sure. Mike, Michael Gallup will not. And so I think that's going to open some stuff up for him. So I, I think it's pretty clear Gallup over McLaurin. Yeah, I agree. All right, moving on to Keith in Granite Falls, North Carolina. Who would you play this week between Ronald Jones and Miles Sanders, gentlemen? Uh, to give you a little bit of background on this, Dave, Ronald Jones is at Atlanta this week, and Miles Sanders is at home against the Seattle Seahawks. Well, for me, I, you know, I know they declare Ronald Jones a starter, but he's not putting up trustworthy numbers. His, he actually, I think – He didn't last week. He's not putting up trustworthy numbers, is what I said. The, 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 first, the, the previous two weeks before that, he was oh, a yeah. slam dunk start. Yeah. Last week, it was rough. Last week, he only, I think he only was on the field for 31% of the staffs. Dare, Ungabawale. Ungabawale. He was on the Badger, field for by the way. more than, uh, than Ronald Jones was. And Sanders is getting more action. I mean, I, I, you know, Howard might play, but uh, I trust Sanders more than I trust Rojo at this point. Um, Jordan Howard, I think, is but the even, you know, even when Ro- Ronald Jones had fantasy points when he had that eight for eighty three receiving game, but he was not like he was rushing seventeen for a hundred. You know, he's just. I, I guess my point is he doesn't have to when when he's you know what was the big question coming in to, to his yeah, NFL I, career? Can he catch passes? Well, I think he is showing that he can. Yeah, but then last week he didn't, and he a, didn't get it targeted. That was a one off. Or targeted much? I don't I don't even know. No, I'm 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 def, I'm defending Ronald Jones here, Dave, but I actually agree with you. I think Miles Sanders is the play over Ronald Jones this week uh, at home against Seattle, as you like to say. Miles Sanders is going to be sleeping in his own bed Saturday night. You know, it's just one of those things. So I, I, I'm with you on that. Also, I don't know, expect much from Jordan Howard or Jay Ajayi. Go ahead. Atlanta's defense is really coming on strong right now. Oh, my now. God. It, it, you know, it's like they realize their coach is on the brink of being fired. They're, they're, they've crushed their last two opponents. I actually uh, – that this is my uh, pick of the week is Atlanta minus the points against Tampa. So I already set that one to Farrell. My uh, week my pick last week also won, by the way. Is this for the Super Contest? Uh, no, I just oh, okay. each week I've been giving him a pick. I've been actually hitting most of them. Atlanta, three-and-a-half-point favorites at home against uh, Tampa. That is a 51-and-a-half total on that game. Should be interesting. Um, I, I need Mike Evans for a big game there, and Godwin, quite frankly. You know what? I need everybody from Tampa, Ronald Jones included. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Sanders is the, is the play for me. All right, moving on. I got one more email here, and then we're going to get it. No, I don't have any more emails. Let's get into some fun, Dave. Are you ready for some fun? Sure, I like to have fun. <laughs> This is good. Now, um, nor, now you have expressed off the air that you don't care for these games that we play. Uh, it's fine. Okay. No, but you've said this before. So I decided, you know, I know Dave doesn't like these, so I'm going to do not one but two of them tonight. Great. We're going to do two games. Now, the first the game, trickster. first game, this is going to help some people, I think, in their flex spot for FFPC this week. Or maybe they're – well, I don't want to reveal it. I have the Browns target leaders over the last two weeks. Granted, small sample size, but these two weeks are significant, which you're going to find out after this, okay? The Browns target leaders over the last two weeks, 22, 17, and 17 for their top three pass catchers. I I need you to tell me who the 22 is and who the two 17s are. This is Browns targets over the last two weeks. So weeks 10 and weeks 11. Any guesses? Um... I'm going to say Landry is 22. Landry's actually 17. Okay. Okay. Uh, when did Kareem Hunt come back? Kareem Hunt came back week 10. Okay, so I'll go Kareem Hunt 22. He's actually the 17, ah. which is the point I wanted to bring up, that here you have – So ODB? OD, uh, ODB is 22. All right. But the point – I think the point is, and this is what we should get into, Kareem Hunt – and I'm going to ask you one, one more final guess on this. Kareem Hunt, 17 targets since he's come back, Dave – and guess what running back he ranks as in those two weeks since he's come back um, for fantasy points? This is just a pure guess. I'll go six. 16. He's running back 16, <laughs> which right. uh, he's not an RB1, but still yeah, startable. Good. Yeah. Clearly startable. So my point to you is, and I'm going to pose this to you right now, Kareem Hunt, is he a must-start this week? He gets Miami at home. I almost think you have to play him. Even though Nick Chubb is healthy. The only fear is if they jump out to a huge lead and they're not passing very often because they don't need to. But that, a lot of times that fear is overstated because the games stay pretty close into the third quarter. As or, you consider Freddie Kitchens. I mean, is there yeah. going to be a blowout with him? Yeah, that's <laughs> true. I mean, and so it can, even if it's like 28 to, you know, three in the late third, they might, they'll still be running their regular base offense. So, uh, yeah, I think, it's, I think he's a really good option. I think you've got to find a way to get him in your lineups this week. I, I really do. I, I think that this is a guy, I mean, even if he doesn't find the end zone, he should put up double digits for you. So I, I think he's a, he's a guy that you got to look at. All right. Now, here's the fun one. You get eight guesses at this, but you got to get five right, okay? 
So it's three strikes and you're out. On so this. I get eight total guesses. Eight total guesses, right. and you tell me who the most – this is the top five players in the NFL, the most targets since week eight. Week eight, week nine, week 10, week 11, okay? Who is leading the – who's the top five in the NFL in targets? So I have to get all five? Well, you're going to get all five. You have to get all five, but you get eight guesses at it, okay? Now, here's the other thing. There, I'm going to tell you this right now. There is – I have no shot at this, but go ahead. There is probably only – I don't think there's any first-round picks on this list, fantasy first-round picks. There's probably two fantasy second-round picks and then a cavalcade of other stuff on here. This will be a challenge. Okay. So there's no fantasy first round. Like Juju Smith-Schuster, I, is I Julio what, Jones. I understand what that is. Okay, all right. So Michael Thomas, though, is not one of them? That is right. So And, and that doesn't count as a guess. He is actually not on this list. So this is top it's, five, and these are receivers or anything? Uh, they're anything, but I, I'll tell you right now, they're all receivers, uh, the top five. Um. <laughs> Dude, I have no shot at this. I really don't. All right. I mean, I'll, uh, I'll, Mike Evans. Mike Evans is number two on this list right. with 42 targets okay. since week eight. So good job there. Um, I can, uh, I'm going to give you hints on these other guys. <laughs> on all of them? Well, I'll give you hints on some. I'll, well, I'll wait to give you a hint until you get yeah, one let me, wrong. Yeah, let me screw up a little bit here. Um, week eight. So DJ Chark. DeChark is not one of these guys, although you got the DJ part right. Yeah, DJ Moore. Is number one, Dave. Nice. He is leading the NFL in targets since week eight with 45. He's been awesome. He really has been. Like he's, that's, that's, I mean, that's great. We, I mean, we've been hyping him for a long I, time. I, my, my, my hint was going to be hype. I was yeah. going to say, because he was our hype man. He's been he's our preseason guy. hype man. He hasn't been getting any touchdowns, but, I mean, man, with all those targets, and he's, he's catching eight or nine he's, balls. I was going to say, like, game. eight for 90, pretty yeah. consistently. Um, that guy is going to go way up on draft boards next year. It's deservedly so. And, 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 I mean, we'll see what they do at quarterback next year, but this is with a backup quarterback throwing to him. And it's not just empty targets. He's doing stuff with them, too. He's been awesome. All right, so you have one and two on this list. The rest, the other three of these guys, Dave, you got the two NFC guys, the other three guys in this list, all in the AFC and all in separate divisions. One is in the AFC East, one's in the AFC Central, one's in the AFC West. East, Central. There is nobody in the AFC South on this list. West. Okay. Um, and we've already talked about. I'm going to have to go with Edelman for the AFC East. Edelman's not on here. Um, okay. But uh, there's a, <laughs> I shouldn't even say this, the, there's a black Edelman on this list and a guy that we just recently talked about. Um, he is facing his old team this week. Team that traded him for a couple of third round picks, if I remember correctly, fairly recently. I'm drawing a blank. Uh, so I don't know. Um, he was. Uh, I'll give you a hint. He was on the the last list we talked about. The the list we talked about prior to this, as far as Browns target leaders over the last two weeks. So Jarvis Landry? He is number three on this list. Oh, I thought you were still talking about AFC East. 42, no, this is the AFC Central. I'm sorry. The number four is the AFC uh, East. Okay, I'll give you a hint on this guy. All right, I'll, let me try the AFC West. Uh, Cortland Sutton? It's not Cortland Sutton. Um, Shoot. This, this is a guy. Oh, that, I lost. Oh, that's right. That's, okay. So, oh, too bad. All right, so I'm going to give you hints that are going to give it away. The AFC West guy is a guy you own on a ton of dynasty teams, I believe. You are a big fan of his. Uh, it is Tyreek Hill. He's number five with 38. And this guy, I, I don't, I don't, the guy who's number four on this list, I hesitate to call him a league winner, Dave, and I would have to check Fantasy Mojo to find out when this guy was drafted. He had to be, like, in the 30s and 40s. Uh, John Brown? John Brown, number four on this yeah, list with 40. I was thinking of John 40. Brown, actually, but I didn't say it. So most targets since week eight, great. So it's basically the last month. DJ Moore, Mike Evans, Jarvis Landry, John Brown, Tyreek Hill, and I'd be willing to wager that a lot of the teams playing to get to their league championship this week, have a lot of these guys on their roster. I know I do. Um, and, and John Brown has been awesome. I was actually, to give you a teaser on uh, the Tom Greenwald road of his high-stakes slowdown, I can't remember if I've talked to you about this in person or not, as far as draft strategy goes. Um, I did zero RB in two leagues. I did, I, I did zero RB in one league in 2017, one league in 2018. By far and away, my best teams those two years. So this year, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go all in. I'm going to go zero RB on as many drafts as I can. 
And there's a couple of drafts where I had the two-second pick, and I couldn't really do it because I took either Barkley or McCaffrey. But um, I, I did not have a great year. <laughs> I mean, it's okay, but it's not great. Right. And now I listen to these pundits out there and a lot of these podcasts and talk about if you went zero RB, there is just nothing this year. You're probably hurting, which makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, that's fine, but I don't necessarily totally agree. But you think there is running backs on the waiver wire this year? Because that, that's sort of what zero well, RB is predicated on. Not really. I mean, you could, have, you could have drafted other, you know, you could have drafted running backs that did fine. Well, it, it, like in round six on? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, just like Royce Freeman's been okay. I mean, eh. I mean, I mean, I mean Miles Sanders, Sonny Michelle, Ronald Jones, those, those types of guys were, were going round six on. Yeah. I mean, Sonny Michelle was going a little earlier than that usually. But I mean, yeah, I guess maybe. I don't know. All right, so here's the point I wanted to make. Yeah, um, I, I look at these teams, and I, I feel like I was really kind of squeezing everything I could at running back every single week, but I always seemed to have that extra top 30 receiver on my roster. Like, I seem like I always had five top 30 receivers every week. So I think had I not been so stringent on zero RB and drafted just, just one running back instead of one of those top receivers, and maybe it's just – and I'm not trying to brag. This is going to sound terrible. <laughs> like maybe I'm just that good at finding receivers in the rough. Cause I got John Brown in a lot of rosters. Yeah, maybe, maybe you're better at receiver. Picking. And maybe, but I feel like if I just would have flipped it out, I'd have a lot more teams in the playoffs this year. And I don't know if that's a one-off. I don't know what I'm going to do next year. We'll see how it goes, but I feel like I'm not going to be as married to zero RB and that, that might be a mistake, but I think, if, yeah. And that makes sense. And that's a good way to look at, look back at the year a little bit. I think, um, if you were looking at running back in the first like three or four picks, like you kind of said, and you know, not, it makes sense. Right. Right. And then at that, I think just having the general philosophy of realizing how important wide receiver is and kind of just leaning that direction most of the time. But so let's say you took a, let's say you had a pick 10 or something, you could go receiver, receiver, let's say, but all of a sudden, uh, you know, in the third round, one of the guys, let's say you liked Aaron Jones or Derrick Henry or something. Right. Yep. You're like, well, you know what, even though I'm leaning receiver, I'm going to take Jones here. I'm going to take Henry here. And then in the fourth round, again, just kind of looking at it, but more likely you'll go receiver unless you really see a value. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. Well, and I was, I, I really tried to get a top three tight end in all of my drafts too. That was that's and that's like regard like tight end premium, non tight end premium. I always try to get that. Um, and this year it was one of the top three. I tried to get either Kittle, Ertz, or Kelsey. Well, and, you know, and the thing is that Kelsey has worked, but you know, Ertz and Kittle have really not worked out. Ertz as, is coming on a little bit, but yeah, yeah, a little bit. But he's had some terrible weeks, and Kittle's had some injuries. And then you know, if you if you're waiting for the four, five, or six guys, you had Hunter Henry who was hurt, you know, for a long period of time. Uh, Ingram has been pretty much a bust, and then O.J. Howard's been got awful. And he was a, if, if that's what it was. That, I, think you're, yeah, I think you're dead on that. I'll tell you where the value was. The dudes who waited for Darren Waller. Yeah, the dudes who Andrews. waited for Mark Andrews. Yeah. The dudes who waited for Austin Hooper. That's where yeah. the value was in tight end. That's how it year. worked out this year. And, you know, each year is different, but, you know, so you just have to kind of, you know, predict, hope, pray, um, and, uh, and see if you get the right guys. Predict, hope, and pray is going to be one of my teams next year. Uh, Field Yates, by the way, from ESPN uh, Fantasy, he believes, and he's sort of like an ESPN insider, Austin Hooper actually is a free agent after this year. Now they could franchise him. If they don't, he expects Austin Hooper to be the highest-paid tight end in NFL history after this season. Really? Yeah, that, that was his you prediction. Know, Corn Finns, uh, Jeff Terbasi, have been trying to trade Hooper to me for like the first seven weeks of the season because I had Hunter Henry. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I tra- after Hawkinson, I might have told you this, after Hawkinson had his breakout game, I tried to trade away Hunter Henry. Oh, yeah. Injured Hunter Henry and Ridley for Hawkinson. The trade got accepted, then overturned. Well, I think we talked about it in the past. Yeah, you anyway, did. No, that's um, funny. But so then Finns have been trying to sell me him for a 2020 first, and I kept on turning it down. Maybe I, maybe I should have taken it, even with Henry coming back. Mm-hmm. Anyway, no. Uh, the, stupid the, story. Who cares? The, no, that was good. I, I, the first time I heard that, I'm like, oh, dude, how did, like, did he just decide? Uh, he kept he, on offering. He didn't want to do it anymore? No, it got overturned. I'm like, oh, my goodness. It's <laughs> like, you know, it's like the lightning strike in a good way. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Uh, crazy stuff on tonight's show. That's going to do it for it uh, tonight. I want to thank Eric Wall. Remember, check out his website, theartofvision.com, at Eric Wall on Twitter. And then, of course, the book is Unthink. Uh, something, it, again, it's, it came out six years ago, but uh, stuff in there applies today. So check that out. Uh, I want to thank Dave Gerzak, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and, of course, each and every one of you uh, for tuning in uh, this Friday night. And good luck in your football guys and FFPC main event playoffs, too. Uh, it's going to be a fun little weekend here in week 12. Uh, Tom Greenwald is on the high stakes lowdown this week. Remember, rotaviz.com slash podcast, also on Apple Podcasts as well. Next week, the fifth place main event team owner, Josh Siegel, will be the high stakes lowdown guest. But on these airwaves, 10-9 Central, 
a Thanksgiving edition. Football guys, uh, a team owner uh, who's eighth place right now headed into the championship round, Eric Sison, will be on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. That is next week. Good luck in your playoffs. Hopefully the ball bounces your way and your weekend officially starts This has now. been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. We're on the team explore, even more so if we on tour. Me and E explore the country, wondering about the evening before. Trying to explain where the time went. Will other rappers find a studio to grind in? I always talk about letting the listeners behind the curtain on this show, Dave. And I feel like we let them behind the curtain tonight, but the curtain of our fantasy teams this year that we spent probably a good four or five minutes on drafting and drafting strategy. And I think that's just letting everybody know, yeah, our leagues didn't turn out the way we wanted this year. We already have an eye towards 2020. You know, some, some, are, some are doing all right. I mean, they're, they're not all down the way. Right. So no, that's true. I, you know, the Kentucky teams, you've got a couple of big paybacks in there. You've got plenty of playoff teams going on. So you're there, yeah. doing, there's, it's not absolutely crushing it. Yeah, know? yeah, no, that's true. And, well, I hope the ball bounces my way in these playoffs. We'll see what happens. <laughs> um, I should also remember uh, to everybody to mention Football Guys Players uh, champ, uh, Football Guys uh, Football Guys Playoff Challenge and the world-famous FFPC Playoff Challenge live right now, myffpc.com. You can go get your teams uh, set up for there uh, right now so when uh, you can start filling out these rosters, you'll be ready to go. And I believe there's going to – is there going to be an import function too? Yeah, you can uh, move teams over. Yeah, you can move teams from one to the other and so forth. We're only, we're only down – we're down to 6,470 teams left out of 6,500. Hustle up, people. It's going to be here before <laughs> you know it. We'll talk to you again next week with Eric Sice, and thanks so much for listening. Good luck in your league playoffs, everybody.